five, four, three, two, one. Lift off of the Falcon 9. Hi, I'm Mark Boucher. On this week's episode of The Space Economy, my special guest is Lisa Campbell, the new president of the Canadian Space Agency. Ms. Campbell joined the Canadian Space Agency just months into the pandemic and officially started at the beginning of last September. We talk about some of the challenges the pandemic's created, but also some of the opportunities it's presented. As well, a discussion of the CSA wouldn't be complete without at least one budget question. Please note, we did have one very short sound issue during a portion of her answer to my first question, but otherwise there were no other issues. Before we listen to the interview, here's a message from our sponsor, Circo Canada. We'd like to thank Circo Canada and our other sponsors, as well as our loyal Patreon supporters who make this podcast possible. With 40 years experience in the space sector, Circo offers a full range of operational and engineering services. Through long-standing partnerships like the one Circo enjoys with the European Space Agency, Circo contributes to programs like Copernicus and Onda, supporting open data and user experience. With best-in-class capabilities in Earth observation, Circo offers a wide range of space and ground support, from data capture to data handling to data exploitation. For more information on Circo's space capabilities, visit circo.com backslash na backslash Canada. Okay, here's my interview with Lisa Campbell. Welcome, Lisa Campbell, to the Space Economy Podcast. Thank you, Mark. So, I have to start with, you were at Veterans Affairs before coming to the Canadian Space Agency. Why did you leave and what attracted you to the, spa- to the Canadian Space Agency? Thanks very much, Mark. So, I'm, I'm uh, born in Montreal and I've worked uh, all my c- career in French and English. I've been a lawyer for about 27 years working in the private sector and the public sector. Since about 2005, I've worked in senior roles that relate to what I'm doing now at the Space Agency. I've done a lot of work in Canada and internationally on the collection and use and trade in data. And as you know, the speed of commercial satellite deployment, implementation of faster communication technologies, and the onset of interplanetary missions are really augmenting the role of data in space industries. I also deeply understand the relationship between innovation, research, and development, and the critical path to commercial success. I was... Um, responsible for overseeing uh, markets at the Competition Bureau, uh, Canada's market regulator. I've also done a lot of work in procurement. So I have strong relations uh, with industry associations and companies in the aerospace sector, including the Aerospace Industry Association of Canada and MDA, and also the Canadian Association of Defence and Security uh, Industries. I believe they'll tell you that I'm fair and, and strong and collaborative. When I saw that this opportunity uh, was available, I was really excited and passionate about it because I'm committed to furthering knowledge and the public good. And space exploration and technology are at the epicenter of scientific development. It stress tests all of our existing beliefs and pushes us to be even better. So I'm really honored to be part of the brilliant, passionate team at the Canadian Space Agency and help however I can. I was sort of going to leave this question till later, but I'll just throw it in right now. I mean, 
to jump into the Canadian Space Agency, I mean, did you have a passion for space as well? I've always had a passion for um, science and the public good, although I don't have scientific training. Science, complex projects, challenges, and uh, this really fits the bill. You know, some of the work that we do uh, five, ten years ago, even we couldn't have imagined it. If you think of some of the recent accomplishments in the past year, our work on lunar activities, uh, the collaborations we have with international counterparts, of which I've done a lot. I really enjoy that. And as you know, in space, we are constantly working with international partners. So I'm particularly excited about that part of the work. So when you took the job, it came with a job description. It came with a mandate. Uh, mm -hmm. You would have talked to the minister at the time. But from your perspective... What is it that you want to bring or is there any particular areas of interest or goals that you have that you want to see happen at the Canadian Space Agency? Thank you. It's a really significant time for Canada's space program. As you know, there's a tremendous scientific and economic potential for space. In addition to fulfilling our important mandate of promoting the peaceful and sustainable use and exploration of space, which is increasingly important given all the commercial activity we're seeing, we can also help improve the lives of Canadians and people around the world right now. As we've seen through the past year of the global pandemic, uh, the global market is changing rapidly. Disruptive technologies and advancements have changed the economics of building and launching spacecraft, and it's made space more accessible. It's opening the door to new business activities and new forms of partnerships. So this is a key growing market, and economic opportunities in the space sector are going to increase considerably. We want Canada to be part of that, and our space sector to be part of that. Most countries realize the benefits of this, and our, our government is one of them as well. So we really want to position the Canadian space sector to be part of what we know will be an important new economy. It'll lead to jobs, it'll lead to growth, but it'll also help us in areas as diverse as farming and clean tech. Finding solutions to space sparks our curiosity and our imagination, and it inspires our researchers and scientists to push the limits for benefits for space exploration, but also here on Earth. As you know, um, it, it's as diverse as, as healthcare. When we explore space and send astronauts to the ISS and the moon, soon to the moon, it helps advance medical science. Space is hard on our bodies and it accelerates the aging process. So as we look at how astronauts adapt to zero gravity, we can advance our knowledge on a variety of health issues that will help us right now. Aging, cardiovascular problems, osteoporosis, even the psychological effects of isolation and living in confinement. And technologies that were developed for space are being used in medical centers right now. Robotic arms for neurosurgery and breast cancer detection. Astronomy cameras that can detect cancer cells. And particularly for Canada, looking at how delivery of healthcare services in isolated communities can be improved through lessons in space. So back to what you were saying, Mark, we need um, to show the value of space science not only for our ambitious goals in space exploration, but for immediate benefits here on Earth, food production, climate management, the um, huge utility of the data from satellites. So everything I'm hearing is wonderful. And it's, um, it's what I would expect. But I was looking for maybe something a little bit more personal you know, I mean, is there something within the portfolio that really jumps out at you as something that you think 
you know, you want to see uh, really push forward? I'm pretty passionate about the public good. I've been a civil servant most of my career, and it really is what drives me. Um, empowering teams, innovating, uh, really bringing them to the maximum of their potential. And Canada is already achieving a lot uh, in, in the space world. We are not the biggest player, but we are an incredibly reliable, trusted partner with expertise in a range of areas. And I want the world to see more of what Canada has to offer when it comes to space. And so really, uh, we have big ambitions and, and uh, we're well on the way. All right, fair enough. Now, you've been on the job for a little over four months and you've had to deal with running an organization during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Not an easy thing. How has that challenged you in getting your job done? That's a great question. I'm actually passionate about digitization and for many years have been working without paper. And I wasn't sure pre, prior to the pandemic whether that could be accomplished uh, in my career because there were really so many established processes and procedures in place that made it difficult to digitize. There have been lots of disruptions and changes at work and at home this year. It's been hard on people personally but I've never been prouder to be a public servant. When I look at the way organizations, including the space agency, have rapidly pivoted and ensured continuity of operations throughout a pandemic, I'm just so impressed. So I was actually personally ready because I've been working this way for many years and it's been an investment mark. It's meant that we had to adapt, create the systems that allow us to bring work to people where and how they are doesn't mean we don't still need the physical infrastructure, but it's allowed us to be a lot more flexible. So we're a resilient organization. We've got passionate people who are dedicated to advancing the space sector. Operations never stopped. And we worked through the challenges to make progress on projects and programs. And now we're thinking about the future. How do we want to work in the future? How do we want to recruit people? How do we want to use the magnificent headquarters that we have here in St. Spat? So we're already planning and thinking about that. As you know, we've got to think long-term. We've continued to grow as an organization since March uh, 31st, 2020. Our workforce grew by nearly 2% and keep looking on our website and on our social media. We're hiring in lots of areas. So the number of uh, permanent and um, part-term employees uh, went up from 660 to 671 and growing. We also added casual workers and students, and so the total is now um, up to 767. We are really putting emphasis on hiring students as well, knowing the difficult time they've been having during the pandemic, and also because they're the future. So we uh, hired 104 in 2019 to uh, 147 uh, this year, which is great. I'm really excited about that. I also want to mention that we're very committed to an inclusive and diverse environment that nourishes and advances the interests and talents of our people. Diversity, as, as everyone knows, is a driver for creativity and innovation. And that means not only recruitment, but promotion through the ranks at the Canadian Space Agency. We benefit immensely from a wide range of perspectives at the agency. Now, my next question, um, I just came up with it yesterday based on news. So (laughs) we now have a new innovation, science and economic development minister in François-Philippe Champagne. Do you know him? 
I do. Yeah, I've been in government uh, for, for many years now and served many governments. So I've had a chance to work with uh, a number of, of hardworking parliamentarians. So first of all, I'll mention that um, I knew Minister Baines before coming to this job as well. And it was an honor to work with him in, in various capacities. And we're very grateful for his support for the space program. Uh, I welcomed Minister Champagne yesterday on social media and we're thrilled to have him join us. His background as a lawyer, in business internationally is going to be very helpful to us. And, and so we're looking forward to bringing him on board and briefing him and telling him about all the exciting things we have on the horizon and hearing his vision for things that he wants to accomplish as well. So you must be on your Rolodex. <laughs> Definitely, yes. That, that, that's assuming people... Some people know what a Rolodex is. I mean, I suppose the younger generation might not. <laughs> I think it's become ubiquitous now, too. Yeah, meaning for people who you're in contact with. But yeah. All right. Now comes to a little bit more um, uh, pertinent question to what's going on with the Canadian space program uh, with respect to uh, funding in some, in some ways. So in late October, and I'll have to say that my preface to this question is a little bit longer, so bear with me. In late October, you appeared before the House of Commons Standing Committee on Industry, Science and Technology as a formality upon being appointed as president of the CSA. Now, during the question session, the Liberal Member of Parliament for Willowdale, Ontario, Mr. Ali Esasi, asked you about the impact of budget cuts prior to 2015. That, of course, is a politically charged question, as it was before the current Liberal government was in power, and it was the Conservative government at the time who had cut the CSA's base budget. Now, you did well with your answer, but you did say in part, as I mentioned in my remarks, this is a sector of the economy that's expected to grow. We do worry about spending in the future. If we look at G7 countries, we had been around the middle of the pack and now we're at the bottom. It's something that I hear a lot about from very dedicated people who work at the agency. Now, I had a look at the most recent numbers from the Space Foundation report, which show that Canada was ranked 11th now with respect to government space budgets. I also looked at the OECD numbers, which showed that you know there was a decrease in real terms between 2008 to 2017, which is something I've just written about in the past. Now, while the government has made a commitment to a lunar program, it's over 24 years. That, that $2.05 billion is spread out over uh, 24 years and includes the, the $150 million for um, uh, the Lunar uh, Accelerator Exploration Program, which is great. Well, as president of the CSA, do you think you can make the case to government for an increase in your budget so that Canada can maintain spending at comparable levels to other nations? Thanks very much, Mark. And I remember that question. Uh, you know, those are challenging questions. So first of all, I, I've been in government for a long time and served many governments um, of, of all different uh, stripes, and, and I'm committed to that. I'm committed to public service. I also believe in international benchmarking. Uh, we work a lot with international counterparts. We're not the same size as them, but you can prorate it and see where governments are spending. I also um, believe in public entities continuously demonstrating to taxpayers the value of what we do. 
It's an, a tremendous privilege to be doing this work. It's an honor. And we need to show Canadians, especially now as we look at the pandemic and how it's highlighted frailties in some of our social infrastructure and areas where we need to invest more, how the important work that we do in space has immediate benefits here on Earth and, and brings home um, multiplier benefits. It is about jobs and growth. I mentioned earlier in, in our um, discussion how this is an area that's expected to triple in size over the next several years. Canada needs to be part of that. The kinds of jobs that are created in the space sector are high quality jobs. So we want to work as part of the space ecosystem, work with universities, um, attract and retain talent here in Canada, not just at the agency, but also in the space sector. 94% of the companies in the space sector are small and medium-sized enterprises. That's who we want to support and sustain and grow so that they're competitive here in Canada, but also around the world. As you know, um, recently the Canada Arm 3 contract was awarded to MBA. And for the first time for the Canadian Space Agency, the Industrial Technological Benefits Policy applies to that. We expect hundreds of Canadian firms to be involved in the construction of this. And that's really exciting for us. So it is about jobs and growth and making sure that the agency is well equipped to deliver on that. I have seen instances in the past in my career where there were um, projects put in place that weren't inadequately resourced. So my job and the job of the agency, and, and you, know, you can help with this as well, is to explain um, how we resource these massive projects and massive undertaking in a way that allows us to continue to be that trusted and reliable partner for our international counterparts. We are. We've got a great reputation. We deliver on time. We can be counted on. We've got deep expertise in needed areas for the space economy, and we want to continue and grow that. So it's a little bit what you're describing as a communications, there's a communications aspect to it, um, and, and making sure that everyone understands what it costs to do these big projects. There is a cost, but also the multiplier benefits. Space is inspirational, but it also creates incredible jobs and boosts an important part of the economy that we know is going to grow in the future. From my perspective, having covered this for a while, it seems to me that the community, which includes, you know, Canadian Space Agency, which includes the commercial partners, which includes the universities, uh, they've actually made a, a good case in the last few years as to why um, uh, investments in space are, are important. And um, and that in, and your predecessor, you know, that was one of the key things that he told the community is, look, we have to prove it. So I think the case has been made, and of course, it still needs to be made on an ongoing basis. I just have to wonder whether the government is 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 fully listening and prepared to make a little bit more investment. I mean, you talk about the multiplier effects, uh, and the government talks about innovation. There's a lot of innovation that comes out of space, as you know. So I just wonder if they... If they're seeing enough of the multiplier effect that they'll say, we need to put a little bit more into this. Uh, that'll be a challenge, I think, uh, as, as you go forward in your role. Yeah, but, but Mark, we are at a really interesting point in time, aren't we? 
organizations around the world, including ours, including the public service, are reinventing themselves now as a result of what we've recently gone through. We're looking at our current infrastructure, our current ways of working, our current ways of attracting talent. And although this past year has been incredibly difficult, we're also finding efficiencies and we're looking at opportunities. We can attract and retain talent from across the country now in a way that maybe it might have been more challenging with traditional ways uh, before. We want to look at how we bring work to people where and how they are across the country, uh, whether they have different abilities, uh, whether they are geographically located somewhere else in Canada and maybe want to travel here rather than relocate. We're looking at all of those opportunities to make sure that we're fully staffed with our current complement of positions to make sure that we have the right resources to deliver on our existing obligations. And if we grow, if we take on more, or if at some point we decide that we don't have enough resources to deliver on our important mandate, then I will be um, expressing that. Uh, but I, I'm very respectful of the, the number of pressures that are on government at the moment. You've seen them, I've seen them, we all watch the news. And so I, I wanna make sure that we've done that internal rethink in light of the opportunities that quite frankly are presenting themselves because of our new ways of working. Uh, so we are looking at all of our business processes, digitizing where we can, finding efficiencies, uh, many of which are better for the environment, less use of paper, streamlining, um, and, and, and really being uh, a lean, mean organization, and then looking again, and if we decide that we need more resources, we would at that time make a request. Now, I have one more question with respect to uh, what you said at the committee hearing. Um, in your prepared remarks, you said since March, we've uh, doubled short-term financial investments in our science and technology programs, representing an increase of $25 million over existing plans pre-pandemic and a total investment of $52 million over two years. Um, can you elaborate on where the additional investment uh, went? Yeah, I'll talk a bit about that. So we, we saw that the pandemic was leading to a loss of jobs and revenue for companies. So to help mitigate the situation in the space sector, although I will say, Mark, in my discussions, I did a lot of outreach in my first several months on the job. And many companies, partly because of the nature of the work, relative to other industries, which was business as usual, and many of them were seeing growth. Nonetheless, we put an action plan in motion and made additional investments, which we think, uh, we hope, uh, stimulated the industry and helped them maintain a lot of positions held by highly qualified personnel, including students breaking into the field, and to create additional jobs. So as you mentioned, we almost doubled the existing budget of a number of our funding programs for a total investment of, of 52 million over two years. The additional funds, we think, um, will inject into the Canadian economy a direct impact on about 100 projects led by small and medium-sized enterprise and big companies. We also know that 12 Canadian universities uh, stand to benefit. And this is in conjunction, Mark, with everything that we're doing on our lunar activities. You know, um, you know that we've signed the Artemis Accords and that we're consulting with Canadians uh, on what this means for Canada and how we can continue to promote the peaceful use and exploration of space and everything that we're doing with the Lunar Exploration Accelerator Program. In early 2020, we awarded seven contracts for a total of uh, 4.36 million for concept studies and technology development for lunar surface autonomous science payloads in October of last year. 
Two contributions to valuing 3.3 million were awarded for the demonstration of two learning technology payloads and their launch to the moon by April 2024. And last November, we awarded six contracts of close to 3 million for the development of Canadian science instruments that could potentially be used on international lunar missions. All right. Now, I'm totally going to change the topic here because um, it's one that I'm interested in. Um, as I'm sure you're aware, there's a private effort to build a commercial spaceport in Nova Scotia by a company called Maritime Launch Services. I was curious, as the head of Canada's Civil Space Agency, do you think Canada needs a spaceport? Um, so I'm not going to comment directly on the, on on that company or their efforts. But no, not I, I that company, that, but I mean, yeah. on, on a spaceport in general. Yeah. Uh, so I do think it's important for Canada to consider we can't do everything. We don't have the budget for it. You and I just talked about that. So what areas do we want to have public funds spent on versus what areas are commercially viable so that companies could come in, whether it's Canadian companies or international companies who want to have a presence in Canada? You raise an important point, though, Mark. We need to make sure that our regulatory and legislative framework is friendly, that it's predictable, that it promotes business, uh, that it achieves and incentivizes the outcomes that we want. Uh, so we're looking at all of that because around the world, we're seeing that civil space agencies like ours are increasingly partnering with the private sector. We're very open to that. Uh, we know that uh, we have a long history of working closely with industry. So we are doing a lot of outreach and engagement with industry. We're partners. We want to sustain them. And we don't have all the solutions. We're interested in their ideas as well. So doors open. All right. Now. A question with respect to your predecessor. Um, Monsieur Laporte, uh, in his final interview with me, he mentioned that he had one item of unfinished business when he left. Uh, and that was the creation of, and I'm going to quote him now, an evening celebration where we could, in fact, provide different prizes and recognize people for different things. Uh, to me, that sounds like a CSA-hosted annual gala event celebrating excellence in the community. He said the awards could be structured in a bit like the way uh, the Natural Sciences and Engineering Research Council does it. Is that a piece of unfinished business? And I don't know if you've even talked to him about this or if you're aware of this, but is that something that you think uh, you might want to take on? So, so first of all, uh, I, I do know Sylvain Laporte. We our careers we crossed paths uh, over the few years, and I have spoken with him a few times now since assuming the job, just to make sure you know there's a smooth transition. And I thanked him for everything that he did during his term as president of the Canadian Space Agency. Uh, so, valuing the work that people do. And recognition is so important and championing our, our successes is so important, whether it's within the agency or also in industry. We have a number of award programs, as you know, and we're constantly looking at those and making sure that we recognize diversity, that we recognize up and coming talent, as well as lifetime achievements. Uh, and it, it goes back to what we were talking about at the outset of our discussion, which is making sure that Canadians and parliamentarians see the tremendous work that's done in the space sector, both in the public service, but also in industry. We're a little, we're somewhat constrained in what we can do right now as a result of our, our current circumstances, but we've still found ways, Mark, to celebrate achievements, uh, whether it's virtually and always at low cost, uh, you know, within the existing rules and regulations. 
Uh, we're making sure that we support people as they do really challenging work in challenging circumstances. Again, I'm so proud of the team and what they've accomplished. So yeah, we, we are trying to find lots of ways to celebrate, to thank people within and outside government uh, for the tremendous work they do because it's difficult. It's lots of innovating, lots of challenges and, and time pressures as we uh, develop and deliver with our international partners. So I have two last questions, quick questions. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't ask this. Um, it is rare for someone to actually complete a full term as president of the Canadian Space Agency. In fact, in the history of the agency, only two people have. Your predecessor uh, and Mac Evans, uh, legendary Mac Evans. Now, do you see yourself, I mean... I would assume when you took the job, you wanted to complete a full term, but do you see yourself staying in the job a full term? So Mark, I, I just got here. I started in, I in September <laughs> and, and I applied for this job. I really wanted it. And, and I'm, I'm grateful that uh, the government chose me to join the team and I'm honored. It's so exciting. Uh, I, I, I have huge respect for the team and I'm thrilled to be here. So as long as they'll have me, I'm staying here. All right. Last question. Hopefully a fun one. I'm not sure. Um, Star Trek or Star, World, Star Wars? Which do you prefer? I like them both. And I've watched them both since I was a little kid. No, 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 no. That, that, that's a very middle of the road <laughs> answer. I'm learning, though. I'm learning that there's camps, right? There's people who have a definite preference. No, I like them both for different reasons. I'm also a big reader of science fiction. And I have, since I was first appointed, I have watched all of Space Force. So, yeah, I keep up on the, the popular culture of all of this as well because uh, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to see what captures people's imaginations. Now, I have to ask, since you mentioned a few other things, The Expanse. Have you watched that? Not yet. I will. Oh, uh, that's one I think you, you should watch because it, okay. it actually ha it puts a little bit more reality into the picture. Excellent. Uh, reality in terms of the science and the technology yeah. to some extent. But of course, it's a TV show. The plot lines and the politics and the rest of it are going to be what they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will with interest. Thank you. Okay. So, you know, 2021 is going to be an exciting year. Um, this podcast, in theory, should be up on Monday, January the 18th which happens to be the day that the uh, EuroConsult InnovaTech AI in Space uh, conference is uh, happening. Uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, I think are going to be as critical for the data. Um, are you participating in the conference or just CSA people that are going to be there? Yeah, you'll see some remarks from me actually at that conference, and I'm really excited by it. As I mentioned earlier, I've done quite a bit of work in uh, data generation and regulation of my career. And AI has become critical for the space program. Uh, it's something that we are going to continue to use. As you know, it's part of Canada Arm 3. Uh, this will be an essential part of Canada Arm 3 for allow it to operate autonomously, even when it's, uh, the gateway is not inhabited by humans. All right. Thank you very much for being uh, my guest on the show. It's, it's very much appreciated. I hope our audience uh, learns uh, more about you from, from this interview. And hopefully in the future, we get a chance to chat again about uh, the, uh, the goings-on at the Canadian Space Agency and Canada Space Program. Thanks very much, Mark. Have a great rest of the day. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. 
Your feedback is very much appreciated. Please use our Twitter channel, at The Economy Space, to contact us, or send an email to podcast at spaceq.ca. As always, if you like what we do, please support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash spaceq.